most of the promises of hope are vain and empty because people put their hope in the wrong things. We also hear about hope in the context of, I hope things get better. I hope our child is born healthy. I hope the cancer doesn't return. I hope I can get a job. I hope I can make ends meet. I hope I can afford to retire. I hope the terrorists don't attack. Life can be very disturbing and very disruptive. You know, even for the people in the Bible, there were times of despair. Jeremiah, Paul, John the Baptist, even Jesus said, my soul is troubled within me. Vance Habner said, we are human beings marking our way through a world as changeable as the weather with the very next hour unpredictable, shadow and sunlight, heartbreaks and hallelujahs, all mixed with no rhyme or reason as far as we can see. In looking through my Facebook post, I found a post from several of my friends who live in Nashville. And a songwriter in Nashville, his little girl went to school on Wednesday morning, went to church on Wednesday night, and by Friday afternoon she was dead. We can hope that those things don't happen, but the reality is we live in a tough world. It is a world full of sin and heartache. And if we're not careful, we'll let this world define us, and we will become hopeless people. We will begin to believe as many people that you will encounter this week believe that, that the best is behind us, that there's nothing good out there ahead of us. And we will forget that if we know Christ, just beyond the eastern gate, there is a meeting that's going to happen, that we are going to be with Christ in heaven and one day he's going to come and rule and reign on this earth and he's going to walk right through that eastern gate if you don't keep that in your perspective that this world does not have the last word you will lose hope for many people in fact i would say the majority of people you know and have fellowship with or conversations with or work with they feel hopeless. They may not voice it every time you talk to them, but they view life pretty negatively. They, they're waiting for the next shoe to drop. They're waiting for the next problem. They have begun to be immersed in the depths of despair, and they don't see any way out. What we have to remember is that when the tide is at its lowest, it is about to turn. It's about to come in. The psalmist in Psalm 42 in verse 1 says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, Where's your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. 
For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Verse 11. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance. That's an interesting word to throw in there. Let your face say you're hopeful. The help of my countenance and my God. He says the same thing in chapter 43 and verse 5. You, you know, we love the Psalms because we identify with the Psalms. I would dare say that the dirtiest pages in your Bible, meaning the oil and stuff off your fingerprints, are in the Psalms. Because when you're in trouble, when you're hurting, when you don't know where to turn, your Bible falls open to the Psalms and you begin to read and you begin to identify with the psalmist. Over and over in the Psalms, we see a word, Selah, which means to pause and think about it. It's a musical thought, that there's a pause in the song where we ponder and we think and we meditate on what we've just read or what we've just heard. We think about the words that we've read or the song that we've just heard and we pause and take a deep breath to think through what God has just said to us. That word is used 71 times in the book of Psalms. When's the last time in a moment of despair you took a deep breath and paused and thought about God in the midst of your storm? So let's look at some foundational truths of hope. Number one, it's okay to be human. All right? So repeat after me. It's okay to be human. Now, some of you don't think it's okay. You're going to have to say it because you don't really believe it. You're a Christian. You love Jesus. Holy Spirit's living inside of you. But sometimes you're just a human. Okay? So let's say it together. It's okay to be human. That means that none of us have all of our stuff together. Every one of us have got something that's leaking. <laughs> There's some area in our life where it's not all together, and if you get poked or probed or pushed, you might panic. It's okay to be human. By the way, God knows you're human because he created you. So it's, it's all right. Is everybody okay with being human? It's better than being a mountain goat. Just trust me. It's okay to be human, number two. Number two, not only is it okay to be human, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. If you look back over your life, you will find times in your life when you did not know how God was going to get you through that moment or that event or that incident or that tragedy, but God makes a way where there seems to be no way. Listen, as I said in a message a few weeks ago, the hardest thing to do is to raise the dead. And Jesus did that with a word. So if God can raise the dead, he can take care of you and your problem. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Number three, 
Hope begins in honesty with God. Now, some of you, 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 you do what I've done. Maybe none of you have ever done this. You're far more spiritual than me, but you do what I've done. You'll start your praying like this. Oh, Lord God of heaven, merciful and great, we thank you for your kindness and your warmth and your love and your sovereign control over all things. And God is saying, liar, liar, pants on fire. That's not what you're feeling right now. What you want to start your prayer with is, God, this stinks. And I promise you, the angels are not in heaven running around going, oh my soul, close my ears, close my ears. They just said this stinks. They said it into the ears of God in a, in a prayer. Listen, be honest with God. God can't help you if you're not honest. That's like going to the doctor and you say, man, I'm feeling terrible. What are your symptoms? And he, and he pulls a needle out and says, you know what? I feel really good. Well, I can't help you. I can't prescribe medicine. I can't give you a treatment if you don't tell me what the symptoms are. So you got to give your symptoms to God. You got to tell him what's hurting. You got to tell him how you feel. It's okay for you to tell God that you're angry. He can take it. He does not have an insecure personality. He can take your stuff in his face because his love is unconditional so be honest with him number four if you have hope you can face tomorrow if you have hope you can face tomorrow if you don't have hope you're gonna have a hard time facing tomorrow suicide's one of the leading killers in our society I'll never forget talking to Layman Strauss one time and a young lady had come up to him and, and said, I just feel like I want to end it all. And he said, young lady, do you know Jesus? And she said, yes, I do, but I'm just so discouraged and in such despair, I want to end it all. And Layman Strauss said, I looked at that young lady in the face and said, how dare you enter the presence of Jesus uninvited? God knows the number of your days. And his plan for your life is not for you to take your life no matter how much in despair you might be hope in god why are you despair he's talking to himself hope in god verse four these things i remember and i pour out my soul within me but what he's saying there really is these things i choose i will remember i would remember he's thinking about the better days days when things weren't as bad as they were at this time things when things were moving smoothly in his life and and he could sense and see the blessings of god martin lloyd jones wrote a book in 1965 i i bought it in the early 70s it's about this thick it's not light reading but it was one of his best-selling books and the book was entitled Spiritual Depression. Now imagine going to a counter and checking out a book, and this is the only book you bought this day, was a book, Spiritual Depression, from somebody who's behind the counter going, well, how are you today? <laughs> it was one of his best-selling books because everybody at some point deals with it. It may not be clinical, but there are seasons and moments in your life and in my life 
when things are depressing and we're discouraged and we need hope. David says, why are you in despair, oh my soul? And after talking to himself, he, he, he really is saying, I, I don't feel it right now, but after thinking about all that God has done for me, I realize I've lost perspective. I've lost my memory of the times when God saw me through, when God protected me from Saul, when God allowed me to kill Goliath, when God allowed me to lead in great victories. I've got a lot to be thankful for. See, here's what happens when you, when, when you start dwelling on what's wrong, you forget what's been good. And all you do is talk about what's wrong. And guess what happens when that happens? People run from you, not to you. And then you feel isolated, and you get more discouraged, and you get more depressed because you think nobody cares or nobody wants to know. But you've got to go back and remember, where were the good times in your life? Where were the moments when God stepped up? Where were the moments when God answered prayer? You see, his faith reasons with his fears, and his hope argues with his sorrow. He takes his fears and he starts looking at them through the eyes of faith and remembering what God has done for them, for him. Nothing has changed when he writes his song. He's in despair, but he makes a declaration. I will hope in God. Focus is essential. Now this song is a mesquil. It, it is written to give insight or wisdom. That's what that word means. It means to give wisdom or insight into a certain situation. Well, what we know is David is in turmoil. David is, is broken. You get this picture of his mental, emotional condition. He says, I'm like a deer panting for streams of water, a deer running for its life from a hunter, just hoping that it can find a small creek or a small stream somewhere to lick up a little water to get enough energy to keep going. You see, you can go without food for weeks, but you can only go without water for a few days. And in Jeremiah chapter 2 and in Jeremiah 17, it tells us that God is the fountain of living waters. In John chapter 7, at the feast, Jesus stood up and said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. He didn't say, If anyone is thirsty, get religion. He said, If anyone is thirsty, you come to me. David has been driven out. Possibly what this psalm is said in is he's been driven out by his own son from Jerusalem. He's had to leave his house. He's had to leave his kingdom. He's been pushed to the far reaches of his kingdom. And out of sight has been driving him out of his mind. He was made to live in the presence of God. He was made to be a man after God's own heart. He had a heart for God, unlike anyone of his generation. And here he is. He's, he's lost his sense of God's presence. He feels exile from God. He feels forsaken by God. He's in despair. Think about the despair. His son Absalom has murdered and has pushed him out. Rebelled against his own father. By the way, here's another thought. doesn't have anything to do with the message, but maybe it does. You can never be any happier than your saddest child.
I'll tell you, you have a child that's out of the will of God, not walking with God, going through a hard time. You have a child that's suffering physically, and it affects you. And you forget to hope in God. You forget that your hope is in God. It's not in the things or the people that God has entrusted you with. It is in God himself. And so David is immersed in this. Now, every person in this church in his community needs three things. Number one, they need to find refreshment. They need to find refreshment. People are parched and dry. Alcoholism is one of the leading diseases in America. I was going to Valdosta for a funeral on, uh, on Friday and passed the sign. 1,148 people died in road accidents in Georgia just this year, and we're not even through with the year. You want to know what caused a lot of those? Alcohol. People thinking this is refreshing. But somebody had to pay for a funeral because of it. Or somebody's having to pay for addiction care because of it. What we really need is refreshing that something that can quench our thirst, and the only thing that can do that is Christ. Because we're dry and we're parched, and we look for outside things to stimulate us. And to help us get through it, we need to face reality. You can't fix what you won't admit. That's why when somebody goes to an AA meeting, you say, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. Why? you got to admit it. If you, if you can't admit the problem, you can't fix the problem. So we, we have to face reality. Now, don't, don't do the church thing, people. You know, you're going through a hard time. You walk in the door and all of a sudden, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I just lift my hands to Jesus. And the people that know you are going, now are they faking that or are they choosing to rejoice? Is that a show so that we don't say, how can we pray for you? Have you ever asked for prayer requests in a Sunday school class and nobody's got any? And you you got to wonder, what is wrong with everybody in my class? Because everybody's got something. Okay? Right? Everybody's got something that you're dealing with, that you're going through. And to give a prayer request is not a gossip. It's so people can actually pray for you in your moment of need. But you got to face the reality of where you are. This is what David is doing. He's not having a pity party He's having an honest confession of where he is. And then thirdly, you have to find a personal relationship with Christ. Why are you in despair, O oh my soul? The word despair means to crouch or to bow down. It, 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 is, it is the word in Job of a lion that is crouched down and watching and looking for its prey to pounce on it. And, and what happens to us if we don't have a relationship to Christ we become the prey of our own feelings. And our feelings begin to devour us. And they eat away at our vitality. They eat away at our strength. They eat away at our purpose. And before you know it, all we want to do is pull the covers over our head and ask the world to go away. And the only thing that changes that is a relationship with Christ. Will you give yourself to him so that you can conquer those thoughts and not cave into them? 
Faith and hope are inseparable. Now, here, here's something you should write down. You can choose what to believe, but not whether to believe. Everybody's believing something. You can choose what to believe, but not whether to believe. Because you're going to believe something. You're going to put your faith in something. You, we learn to trust by trusting. You choose what to believe, but not whether to believe. So you can choose. I'm going to believe in my fears and my doubts and my anxiety, and I'm going to focus on them, or I'm going to focus on having faith in God and putting my hope in God. In verse 6 of Psalm 42, Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon and from Mount Mazir. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night a prayer to the God of my life. So look at what David does. First thing he does is he talks to himself. After he gets through talking to himself, he starts talking to God. And sometimes, folks, you, you just gotta you just gotta stand up to your spiritual mirror and say, I'm not thinking right. I'm not responding like a believer in Christ ought to respond. I, I'm acting like prayer doesn't work. I'm acting like the Spirit's not inside of me. I, I'm acting like I have no hope. I'm acting like my fears are going to take over. I'm acting like I'm defeated. But Paul says that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. So sometimes you just got to look at yourself in the mirror and talk to yourself until you can talk to God. You got to talk to God. You got to bring it to Him. You got to lay it down before Him so that he can do what he wants to do in your life. Now listen, are you talking to God? Have you moved from just talking to yourself to talking to God? Are you listening to what God's trying to say to you? Are you listening to the way that he's trying to move in your life he's been driven out of jerusalem he's at the very borders of the land his son has rebelled against him i love this quote from thomas brooks hope can see heaven through the thickest clouds hope can see heaven through the thickest clouds john bunyan said hope is never ill when faith is well And Ron Dunn said the character of God is the foundation of faith. Now, we don't know where David is. Mizar means little hill or little mountain, but he's somewhere on the extremities of the northern kingdom. And, and he's somewhere around Mount Hermon where the dew falls, where, where things, the rain begins to come. And so he's at the far reaches of his kingdom. He's about as far away from Jerusalem as you can be and be in Israel. So he's at the edge, a long way from home. He feels a long way from home. Doubt and discouragement are his. This is what Lloyd-Jones said about talking to ourselves.
He says, you have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why are you discouraged? You must turn on yourself and say to yourself, hope in God. Remember, three times he says hope in God. Now, there are three things that you need to see. Chapter 43 and verse 2. Chapter 43 and verse 2. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. Three things. Chapter 43 and verse 4. It begins at the altar. It begins at the altar. How do I turn from despair to hope? It begins at the altar. You're a personal altar. It also begins in an altar in a place like this where you bow before God and you get honest. You face reality and you get honest. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. These are my feelings at this moment. God, I think you've abandoned me. I'm afraid that this is not going to change. We, we face our realities at an altar. Secondly, it continues with renewed hope. It continues with renewed hope. You see, you need to talk to yourself until you can talk to God, and when you're talking to God, he renews your hope. But here's what going to the altar and renewing hope leads to. It leads to a results in worship despite the circumstances. Worship despite circumstances. You ever had one of those days? Can't worship God. The day's too bad. That's when you need to find the praise music that you like. And you need to start listening to it. And you need to start singing along. And you, before you turn it on, you need to say, why are you in despair, oh my soul? Hope in God. Put your trust in God. Start focusing on that which gets your eyes off of down here and gets your eyes up to him. Because worship has to be despite circumstances or most weeks most of us wouldn't worship. Right? I mean, if, if you're waiting on your circumstances to be perfect for you to learn to worship God, you're going to wait a long, long, long time. Because something will happen with the kids in the back seat on your way to church. You just, you just have thought, man, today's going to be a great day. It's going to be wonderful. Hallelujah. I'm just so excited about today. And all of a sudden, one of your kids just does something. And the Holy Spirit leaves your car. <laughs> runs for cover. And, you're, and you look at your wife and you go, what just happened? I know what happened with some of you this morning. You walked in and you decided to worship despite your circumstances. Or you let your circumstances keep you from worshiping. You know, it's one thing to sing, Christ is enough for me. It's another thing in the middle of despair to confess by faith, Christ is enough 
for me. It's one thing to just let those words roll off your lips. It's another thing to be so much more aware of God than where you are that you don't want to be and to be aware that he is here with you in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your fears. But I can tell you this, if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, none of this message is going to help you. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is not positive confession. This is about a heart that has been given to God that knows God as the source and the resource for life when times are bad. Do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Do you know that if you died today that one day you'd meet him just inside? the eastern gate do you know if you died today that you'd be in heaven do those around you know that she can be the kindest person in southwest Georgia and go to hell when you die because it's not your works that save you it's Christ that saves you and if you don't have Christ as a resource I can tell you if you're not in a crisis, you're going to be in one. One is coming. You're not going to get out of this life without crisis and pain and hurt. And if you don't have Christ, you're just going to become a bitter, angry, mean-spirited, depressed individual. Or you can be like David, who got down, but he got up. Who was in despair, but he put his hope in God. You can be one who has trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Say, Lord, I can't get through this life without you. I need you to save me from my sin. I need you to deliver me from the oppression that I feel in my life. I need you to walk me through this valley that I'm walking through until I can see you. I need to learn to hope in you and trust in you. So I want to ask you to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you do not have a personal relationship with Christ today, then I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are right now and to find one of these men at the end of the aisles and come to them and just say simply, I need to trust Christ today. I need to give my heart to Christ today. I can't fix my life. I can't fix my problems. I, I need to trust the living God today. But some of you right now need to be moving to this altar because you're in despair or you're discouraged or you're fearful, you're anxious, you're worried about the future, you're worried about what's coming you're worried about your kids you're worried about your job you're worried about retirement you're in despair you've let the circumstances of life totally weigh you down and they've defeated you and you've lost the joy in your countenance of Christ in your life 
And there's more fear than there is faith. And there's more despair than there is hope. Listen, if you can't be honest here, you won't be honest anywhere else. Lying in church is no different than lying anywhere else. Not being honest in church is no different than not being honest anywhere else. Some of you need to just step out and come because you're in the middle of stuff and you don't know how you're going to get through it. And you just need to come before God and at the altar allow Him to speak into your heart. Ask Him to show you Himself. Whether the circumstance gets fixed or not, the issue is, have I trusted Christ that He knows the circumstance I'm in? He knows the pain I feel. He knows the fear that I have. He knows what's going on in my heart and in my life right now. He knows and He cares and He loves me unconditionally. So you can come to this altar and be honest with God right now. Anybody else need to come before we pray? Just come and be honest with the Lord. Just step out and say, Lord, here's, here's where I am. The altar is the place where we meet God. There's no better place in this town than right here at this altar to come and to meet the Lord and to ask Him to strengthen you where you are weak, to lift you up where you are down, to encourage you where you're filled with discouragement, to give you hope where you feel hopeless. Let Him do it this morning. Let him work in your heart today. Let him lift up your countenance today, in this hour, in this place. Father, for these that are kneeling at this altar, I don't know what's going on in most of these lives, but I know this. They've been honest enough to come and to kneel. They are here because they seek help. Help that comes from heaven. Help that comes from the Holy Spirit. Help that comes from knowing that you love us unconditionally. And Lord, whatever they are laying on this altar today, I pray that in the middle of it, that they will see you above it all. That they will see and know and sense that you're in charge. And you care. And whatever hurt that they are feeling, that you are the one that binds up the brokenhearted. You are the healer of our hurts. You are our sustainer, our strengthener, our comforter, our joy. That we find our help and our hope in you. And so God, I pray for every bended knee at this altar right now, that, that you would lift them up God, the helper of our soul, that you would strengthen them in the inner person, that you would take a weight that they feel right now off of them, not just for the moment, not just a difference in feelings, but that they would walk out of here choosing to believe differently about whatever the situation is, that they would choose to look to you that they would choose to hope in you. That they would choose to listen to you. 
Lord, help us to doubt our doubts and to put faith in you because you are our hope. And I do pray that even in these moments, hope is rising inside of the people that are in this room and especially inside those at this altar. May the hope that is ours in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen on a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour, and daily basis. In Jesus' name, the people of God said, Amen.